Also, in your, in your weekly, you received a little, little card. These are good little invite cards. wanted to put one in there, and there's more. We'll be in different tables and stuff that you can grab these whenever, and they'll be out and about for a good long while. So just really easy invite cards you can put in your wallet, and if someone asks you or you have an opportunity to, to share and invite someone to, to church, you'll have that card real handy. So be thinking of that. Well, this summer, um, we, as we finished Ruth, were entering into the Psalms, as we often do during the summer, and we are in Psalm 16 this morning, and the Psalms are so helpful because we need uh, to speak truth to our hearts, and the Psalms are one of those books, well, all of them do, but they speak into all different circumstances of our life and things that we need to hear and be reminded of again and again and again, and, and I love walking through the Psalms, and we're looking at Psalm 16 today, and this is one of my favorite psalms, and it's been a while. We actually, during an Advent time back in 2017, we had looked at this psalm, uh, but um, if you're like me, I totally forgot anything from that, so it's, it's all fresh and new. I was able just to dig in and be reminded again of all the truths that are in Psalm 16, so may this be an encouragement for us this morning as we look to it. And we're reminded, one thing as I've been thinking about this psalm this week is how there are so many just fleeting um, joys in this life. And I think of summer. Summer is one of those times where we, we enter into a lot of those. Because we go on vacation, and vacation lasts just for a short time, and then it's over. They're just fleeting. And even, well, like last week, we, were, we had the privilege of we got to go on a date night. There was another mission team helping some other churches, and sometimes what they'll do, they'll have date nights for pastors or church planners and different things. So we got to go on a date night, and it was, it was really great, but it's, it, then it was just over. You know, it just comes and goes, and you're like, I want another one of those. <laughs> and Anthony, he was been on a mission trip. He went on a mission trip, and I was thinking of the mission trips that I would go on in my youth and I would love them, but then the week after we'd come back, I would just feel so low, because I'd be like, oh, it's just over, and I just want to be around all my friends all the time, and, um, and there's these things that come and go, and there's a longing of a heart that's just not fully fulfilled, but these things, yeah, even just new things that come into our life that just kind of come and go, they were never meant to, to fulfill us, to complete, to to have that full, lasting satisfaction. They just weren't meant for that. They can't carry the weight of that thing. And we, we need to be reminded of where our true hope and joy and enoughness is found. There's so many things that offer up that, we talked about that a couple of weeks, of just enoughness, of making us feel that we're enough. But they, they, don't, they don't complete. They don't fulfill. They fall short. And all of those things, though, should point us to the truth that there is one that does complete those things. There is a joy that can fill that satisfaction and those things we long for. And we're reminded that we find God's grace in all of those good things, but they're not that true, everlasting, never exhausting source of grace, but they, they should point us to him. And we enter into the Psalms that speak of these things. So Psalm, Psalm 16 it's a psalm of David. It's a mictum of David. And you might ask, well, what does that mean? And I can honestly say, 
I don't know. So um, this is one of those words that even my Hebrew professors would say, we don't, we don't know. So if someone says for sure 100% what it means, um, but most likely it's a, it's a musical term. Uh, and maybe in your footnote even says musical or a liturgical term, but the exact what it means. Um, we're unsure, but this is a Psalm of David. This is one that most likely written not just for David, but by David. And we hear these truths in his heart cry forth in this psalm to God. And it begins in verse 1. We're going to look at 1 through 4 first, and we see this, the only true, everlasting, never exhausting refuge, which is found in the Lord God. And it begins, Preserve me, O God. Preserve me, O God, for you, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. So the psalmist begins, and he just cries out to God as his refuge. The one who is the one who preserves him, protects him, who keeps him safe, who rescues him. And in this, David is in some sort of trial and difficulty. Maybe he's in the midst of battle and he's crying out, or maybe it's some other kind of time of trial, but he's in distress and he's crying out to the Lord to be his refuge, to preserve him, to, to rescue him. And David turns to the one true, lasting security and refuge. He turns to the Lord God. And I've, I've heard it said before that all, all other refuge that we might find will always end up being a grave instead of a refuge. Other refuges that we seek after apart from God, they end up being a grave. They, they never end up fully fulfilling. They won't be a true refuge that will lead us to the one true God. We need to, to look and put a refuge in the, the one God. But we run after so many different things to find refuge in that moment of distress or maybe in the moment we've talked about when we get Kelly and I when we get cold we kind of run to different things for refuge and and it might be that um that king king supers has a select cookie dough chocolate chip ice cream um that you might might be what you okay what I run to possibly um but there, there's, there's just different things we run to. It might be that vacation to the beach, or it might be that new book from an author that you love that becomes that refuge. It might be the new Marvel TV show on Disney+, Plus, or that Netflix binge that you run to, like, oh, I just need refuge today, so I'm going to find it in that. Um, and these things, all maybe in and of themselves, they might not be bad, but they are not ultimate refuge. They shouldn't be where we're seeking to find ultimate grace. They're gifts of God's grace, and, and we should see them as such, um, like a, a good coffee or a good movie or a vacation or a, a donut hole that we had this morning. But they're just moment by moment, just short little refuges. They're not true lasting refuge and joy. They're not meant to be that. Um, as our one true God is. And I think of, as we finish Ruth, you remember Ruth? Ruth left family and home, mom and dad, all of her culture, and she went with Naomi, and she put her refuge under the one true God. So she left everything and sought refuge in the one true God. And we're, we're reminded of those things. And there's also things that that aren't so much um, good at all, but vices in our life that sometimes we run to for refuge. Uh, vices of that, of it might be that of pornography or, or alcohol or drugs or whatever it might be, or relationships that are inappropriate. We run to those for some sort of relief, but they're always going to fall short. They're never, they're going to lead to grave instead of refuge. 
So we need to, even in our life, just ask, Lord, what do I run to? What do I often run to for refuge where I'm running to that and not to you so much at all? And maybe see if those have even become idols in our life that the Lord might even ask us to lay down for a while so that we can then truly enjoy them and enjoy them as part of his grace and not just a false refuge in our life. And then as we continue, verse 2, I say to the Lord, you are, you are my Lord. I have, no, I have no good apart from you. So here David recognizes that the Lord, and that first Lord in there is that capital letter. So he's speaking the, the personal name of God, Yahweh. You are my master. You are my Lord. And he looks to him and he sees that no good apart from God is truly good. Everything else kind of falls flat if we go to it apart from God. Uh, a wonderful retreat to the weekends is great, but if we do it and it is the good in itself and not seeking the Lord in it, it just falls flat. It's like a soda that you open that fizzes and it's gone. It's just short. It doesn't last long. Like the one true God is our satisfier. And you might say, well, well, I have good apart from God. You just look at your life. I think I, think I do. Um, but it, is it a, a fullness of good, a lasting good, a true healing good, a fulfilling good that fulfills those longings of your heart? Even a, a date with someone you love minus God will, will fall flat or a job promotion that you've always desired minus a relationship with the one true God. It's just going to be short of what you're expecting. An abundant retirement account minus knowing our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's just not enough. Even, even heaven, apart from the presence of God, would not be heaven. And we need to be reminded of those things, that those good things should, should point us to the good gift giver, the one that's full of grace, but be reminded that those things in and of themselves are, are not good apart from him. I was thinking of this even in just recently in our life in this last year. Uh, earlier in the year, we, we bought a, a new-to-us RAV4 um, by, by also by some, some graciousness of others being able to do that. Um, and sometimes you think, well, I, if I, when I buy a new car, my, it's just gonna, I'm just going to be super happy and it's just going to complete my life if I have this new car. There, we feel that a little bit. There's something, it's going to be so exciting to have that new car, but... We, when we got that car, it was during a month that was just really difficult for us. It was a hard, low month. And I can tell you, the RAV did not soothe my soul at all. <laughs> Only the presence of Jesus soothed my soul in that lowness. And his answering of my prayers and the prayers of others, and I found refuge in him. And then a couple months later, I wrecked the RAV. And so there you go. But we have insurance, and it's okay, and it's out there. So it's all the Lord's grace. But it just doesn't fulfill. We're reminded that, that our true good, I have no good apart from you. So that longing heart desire that we have for satisfaction, it's not going to be found anywhere else but in God. Or that longing that God puts in our heart, it gives evidence to the satisfier of those longings that we, we're going to talk about in a little bit. We, we experience in part, um, but there's still a fulfillment to come. So that longing continues, 
but it is to be fulfilled. And then verse 3, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So then he, he just delights in the people of God. And how so? Well, the people of God, they're saints of God who follow and they delight after God themselves and they reflect the goodness and the grace of God and the refuge of God. So we need to gather together. We walk together. And that's why one of our core values is having an authentic relationship, connecting with one another authentically. Is because we need that. We need to point one another to truth and we're reflections of that. And, and when that's ripped away, we see the fallout out of it. We've seen it during the pandemic and the time where we have locked down and different things we haven't gathered. We've seen the effect of in our own lives as we haven't gathered. And, and globally, we've seen it in the effect of individuals and families. It's just it's detrimental. We need to gather. We need to be together because we need to point one another to Jesus. We need to be able to build one another up and it's so necessary. We just need that and he he rejoices in the people of God and we should do that. And as, as we're taking kind of a break right now in the middle of the summer from community groups and our smaller discipleship groups, when we start that up, I encourage you to be thinking about that as we start those up when school begins in that time period of September and August. Be ready to be a part of that is such a measure of God's grace in those things. We need to, to gather together and lead one another even often back to the gospel, back to the refuge of our God. And then verse 4, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. So he looks, David looks and he allows, he says, I will not allow myself to participate in worship of any other God. And those who do, they just find themselves in sorrow. It just multiplies their sorrows. I, I'm not going to be a part of that. And it brings us back again to this idea that our, our true refuge um, is in God alone. We can't seek refuge in other things and other joys and other pieces. They, they, they just will always fall short. And we see that even in our society now with um, just even things of like technology. Sometimes technology is that thing someone, some people run to even in a bit as their God or their refuge. And, and we've seen that hasn't brought happiness. <laughs> that hasn't brought joy. There's a correlation between the introduction of smartphones and, and increase of depression, even suicide among teens and social media and things. They don't rescue. They're not a true refuge. They're not where God is. And we need to be reminded of that, that apart from God, there's greater sorrow when we seek after other gods. And in our, even in our life, maybe we've seen seasons in our life where we've rebelled from God and it's left things really more in a wreck than, than with him. Or maybe we've watched others who have, that we love who've rebelled from God and we've seen how it's left them in greater suffering than it has brought rescue and refuge. It's because our refuge is found in the Lord. And we're reminded and we should, these things should drive us to abide in Jesus and to pray for family and friends that they might find their abiding, their refuge in Jesus and not in other things. And our heart should be broken when we see an increase in sorrows as they go after the gods of this world that do not, do not satisfy. Now verses 5 through 8, we see the true, everlasting, never exhausting provider. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So David finds, he finds great delight 
His joy is in, in God. That, that is his provision, his portion, his inheritance. And this word of portion can mean a portion of, of a daily provision, or it could be that of inheritance, of land, his portion. And probably in context, it looks like more set of inheritance. But there's a truth that even God is his portion, his daily bread, his manna every morning. And he's saying that God is his life, his portion. His sovereign God is one who holds holds his lot, his future, and he's trusting in him. And David, you remember that there's times where David, King David, he was outside of the promised land because he was running from Saul. And no doubt during those times he recognized that when he was outside of the promised land and outside of all of his inheritance, that we saw that the one true inheritance, the one true portion that he had was the one true God, the sovereign Lord. And even as I've wrestled through and thought through just walking through discouragement and difficulty. There's times of just wrestling, thinking through these things. And, and one of the truths that I've really come to, I think, formulate a little clearer this year is that our hope is not found in circumstances changing, um, but our hope is found in God sustaining us through those different circumstances. And he sees that David sees it as ultimate inheritance, his ultimate hope, his ultimate rescue is God and not, not the inheritance, the land itself. He is content to what, what the Lord has assigned to him, the boundary lines that he has inherited. And as we learned from the book of Ruth, inheritance and land, it's, it's a really important thing. It was a measure of God's grace, yet David's understanding that ultimately his provision, his inheritance is the Lord God. And we see that. He is the one who's in control. I think of Psalm 73, 25 through 26. It says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may, may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He is our portion forever. Kind of as a, a side note, maybe. God, he's the greatest gift giver, right, that we have. And it means, too, at the same time, the good gifts that he does give us, the portions that he does give us, we can enjoy those. We don't have to just kind of piously and righteously reject all the good gifts. We can enjoy a good hike. We can enjoy a good fresh ground brewed Ethiopian coffee in a mug that your wife bought you for Father's Day and. <laughs> That's, well, that's, you know, that's where I'm at. They can enjoy those things, right? They're good gifts. They should point us. And I think he, I know the Lord enjoys when we enjoy what he has given us, these good portions. But we ultimately know that he is a good gifter, good gift giver, and we look to him in the midst of that. So verse 7. Verse 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. So he's the provider even of counsel. I think of in Isaiah 9 where it speaks and it prophesies of the Messiah to come, of Jesus to come. And he's spoken of as the wonderful counselor. And we need the counsel of the Lord who counsels and instructs our heart. We need to pray, dear Lord, give me wisdom, give me counsel. And some of that is coming to his words. Some of it is praying, some of it is being around his people. And we, we need that. And then he says, even at, even at night... He says, at night, all, in the night also my heart instructs me. And in, as he's writing in, here in the, in the context, 
his heart instructs him as the Lord is giving him counsel. And we need that. We need the Lord to even counsel our heart in the middle of the night and instruct us. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll have burdens and things that I think of, oh man, I, I forgot to do this, or I messed up when I said this or that, and all these things can, can well up in my heart in the middle of the night. I don't know if you're, that happens to you. And even last week, I think it was, some craziness came up in my heart that really bothered me, and I told Kelly about it, and she goes, that's crazy. And, and sometimes you just need someone to speak, but may we pray because uh, there's other times, even last night I woke up and had something heavy on my heart, and, and I prayed, Lord, give me wisdom on this. Um, what are you speaking to me? How do I need to handle this? And the Lord is faithful to provide counsel for our heart. He's the provider. He's our refuge. And then verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. So he's the provider of our stability. And here David, he focuses in the midst of Sorrow or trial and difficulty, he puts the Lord before him. I've set the Lord before me. And we need to do that again and again. Set the Lord before us. Set Jesus before us. We've talked about at the beginning of the year, abiding, abiding, abiding in Jesus, remaining in him and and seeking him. And we need that. We need to continue to put Jesus in front of us. When we're wrestling and we're struggling and our faith is failing, to again and again put the Lord before us. And how do we do that? We've talked in different ways that we... Year in and year out, we begin our year talking about different conduits of God's grace, avenues of his grace. And those are different ways where we do actively put Jesus before us as we go to his word, we go to prayer. And even even as we gather together, that's a huge element of of being able to put Jesus in front of us because we need one another. We've talked about that a little bit, but maybe we remember again in Ruth as we finish that, Naomi, she was in this point where she was, all she could see was bitterness. She was just like, my life is bitter. Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Just call me bitter. I'm bitter. And she needed someone like Ruth to step in and be a tether to the grace of God. And we need that for one another. And sometimes we just need to actively be in the midst of one another so that we can encourage and guide and and be the hands and feet of Jesus for one another. But we have to do that. Sometimes we would rather, sometimes we're like, we've talked about the man who's in the ocean treading water and you throw him a life vest, and he's like, man, I'm so busy treading water. And we do that. But may we instead put Jesus before us again and again and set him before us, because he is our stability, and he will provide that in our life, even if it's just that moment-by-moment, day-by-day stability that we need. And then verses 9 through 10. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to shield, or let your Holy One see corruption. So we see the true, the only true, everlasting, never-exhausting Savior. There's speaking of rescue that we have here in, in these verses. And his heart is glad, his whole body, his whole being just rejoices. His flesh is made secure, but then also not just his, his physical rescue, but there's, there's this rescue of soul that he speaks of, of his heart being rescued. In verse 10, you have not abandoned my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. And David, he's had all these promises of God given to him, and he's resting in these things. I think of one of the promises that David had was in 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13, And he knew that there would be an establishing of this forever kingdom and this forever king. And he's looking to these hopes. This is from 2 Samuel. 
when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offsprings after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So David, he's resting on these promises. And then we know this verse. This is a verse, verse 10, one that maybe rings a bell maybe as you read it and you think, oh, isn't this in the New Testament? Well, yeah, it is. Uh, Because Peter, the disciple, the apostle Peter, he looks to this verse and says, Jesus fulfills this verse. He is the one whose body was never corrupted. And we see that in Acts 13, 35 through 37. This is Peter preaching. He says, therefore, he says also in another psalm, speaking of David, speaking in the psalms, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God on his own in his own generation, he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. And he's preaching that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the one who died for us in our place, but then rose again victorious. And he is alive. And there's rescue here in these verses that in Jesus, through him, that his, he is risen, that there is definitely true new life in him. We experience it in part. We're going to experience it in full um, as we're going to see even in the, these coming verses. So in the Lord, we have hope of resurrection, of life, eternal life. He's the provider of these things. He's the rescuer of these, all of these type of things. And our hearts are made to find their rescue and their completeness and their enoughness in Jesus, who's the one who's risen from the grave. And that's that first step in finding God as your refuge, as the one who is your provider, the one who is your savior, is turning, as Jesus said, repent and believe, turn from your sins and trust in me, as the one who died and rose again, the one who took upon the the guilt and the pain of sin and died for you, that you might have life, and this life, this eternal life, and this joy, we see it in verse 11. Verse 11, as we see the true, only true, everlasting, never exhausting joy. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So this verse probably speaks more clearly and boldly about the beauty of the joy in the presence of God. And that in his presence there will be pleasures forevermore. Eternal pleasures those who are children of God, those who have trusted and found new life in Christ, who is our life, who is that path of life that's found in Him, that there is full satisfaction and joy. And it is already kind of, we begin to taste of that. And we see the fulfilling in that, even in the good gifts that He gives us. But at the same time, we do sense that, that there's still a longing. But that longing that's still there is because it's not complete yet. And that there's even more to come. So that longing shouldn't cause us to doubt, but should cause us to to even look more and know that there is greater joy and greater satisfaction to be found with our Savior for all eternity. And we find great joy in that. We've also, in in recent weeks, talked about the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and how he, he fed them. They ate, they were satisfied, and there were leftovers. And how Ruth, when she was with the meal with Boaz, that she ate. They were, she was satisfied and there were leftovers. We're reminded, those are, they're temporary, but they point us to the eternal, that there will be a day where we eat and we are satisfied, where all of our, our desires and all of our needs will be fully met 
in Jesus and they will be full. And all the longing that we have now reminds us that it will be complete. We were created for great pleasure and great joy that are met in Jesus Christ. So we need to be reminded of those things and not be discouraged when, when, when we wrestle. But may we instead abide daily, abide in Jesus, abide in Jesus, rest in Jesus, run to Jesus, and be reminded of these things. So in this, this psalm, this is one, it's a good one to read every year, every month, to be reminded of these things, reminded of who God is, and reminded of the provision that we find in Him, and and the joy, and we just, we need to be reminded, we need to not forget. I'm just going to close read, reading just a short prayer, um, a poem. Uh, I get an email from Paul Tripp, some of you guys are familiar with him, and, and he had this great little prayer this week, and um, I just wanted to make sure I end it in a poem, so I can be a, a good Baptist preacher again today, so, <laughs> so it works out. Let me just read a, a little, it's really long, so I won't read all of it, but so, dear, this is just things we need to, to do in our heart. Dear Lord, let me not forget the lavish blessing that have defined my life. Let, not, let me not forget the new mercies that greet me every morning. Let me not forget that whatever I'm facing, I never face it alone. Let me not forget your incredible patience and your, long suffer, your long-suffering love. Let me not forget your strength that meets me in every moment of weakness. Let me not forget your constant provision and vigilant protection. Let me not forget the forgiving grace that covers all my sin. Let me not forget to live every day in light of the glories to come. Let me not forget the illuminating and empowering presence of your spirit. Let me not forget that your conviction is a sign of your mercy. Let me not forget the gift of your church with its fellowship and instruction. Let me not forget my eternal identity as a child of God. Let me not forget that my sin and suffering will someday be no more. Dear Lord, let me not forget the lavish blessing that ha- blessings that have defined my life. Blessed, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 103.2. Let's pray. Dear Father God, it's so easy to forget. Lord, we can wrestle and we can doubt, we can struggle, but may we be reminded that indeed your promises are good. Indeed, you are the only true lasting refuge and provider and salvation and joy. Lord, help us, even as we wrestle with our longings, be reminded that we are created for much. So our hearts long deeply and we shouldn't be afraid of that but be reminded that they will be complete when we are in your presence that we will experience the fullness of your pleasures forevermore and it will be good lord help us lord convict our hearts and remind our hearts in ways that we seek refuge and good in other places that if we're honest have left us more a wreck than healed and whole and lord help us to lay the for you and find your healing. Lord, help us to be one another, for one another, the hands and feet of Jesus, that we can be tethers to your grace and tethers to the gospel in the midst of, of sorrow and bitterness and difficulty. Lord, help us to walk, even this summer together, as we look and we're reminded of these 
good truths that just speak of you and just speak even often what our heart wants to cry out to you. And may there be uh, renewal and healing even in our hearts as we walk through these psalms. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will we respond as we're reminded that our true salvation, our true hope,